What's going on? Welcome to KZ1023's Community Beat, a new podcast hosted by myself, Ross Martinez. Each episode, we take a deep dive look into members of our community, the accomplishments, the trauma, the mentors, all of it. I hope this brings light to all the great things going on in our community. Yes, at times, it may be difficult to hear, and some episodes will have some spicy language, but please don't be deterred. There's so much beauty in our stories. All right, let's get to KZ's Community Beat. Thank you for listening. I tried my best to go to prison. My check, my check. What's going on? I'm Ross Martinez, your host of the KZ Community Beat. This week's episode, I got Angel Cruz in the hot seat. Una de mi gente, one of my peoples. Uh, let's just jump right into it, man. You are a big proponent of men's mental health, especially minority men's mental health. Let's talk about it. Why is it something that you're so passionate about? Here, Here's the way I, I put it. When you have a white picket fence, you got the money to hide everything. <laughs> yeah. Coming up, we, we couldn't hide it, so we exposed it. So everybody knew that we were dysfunctional. We just didn't hide it. It was the norm. I come from a community of dysfunctional families. Yeah. So it's the outward aggression. Yeah. You know, you don't cry. You shut your mouth. What's in the house? They, you know what I'm saying? So it's different, you know. they Everybody can see it coming Um with the Western culture, it's not like that. It's crazy because, like, when you think about it, I was talking. I'm talking to this chick right now, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, she has her anxiety, her mm-hmm. whatever, whatever. And I'm, I'm there like a rock. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah. all right, what do you need? I'll talk to you. I'll mm-hmm. listen to you. Or am I, am I fixing or am I analyzing or listening? Tell me what you need. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, well, you never opened up to me. I'm like, I got it. I, if, if I don't got it, I got a best friend who got it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's where I keep it. Well, you could trust me. I'm like, you got a ring on that finger. Not yet. It was. It was. <laughs> you're right. It was the same thing with my wife. It's like it's. We just hold on, man. Slow down. I'm not going to unveil nothing. Do you feel like that's because, as a Mexican man, because I feel like you are really high on your culture. Like I've been reading a little bit about you. Like you're about it. You're about being Latino. Do you feel like that extra uh, machismo where you got to be the dude? I I've had to. Uh, that was kind of. That, that was kind of like. A, one of my coping mechanisms is, you know, I had to keep stuff, you know. I mean, I can look good to you on the outside, but you didn't know on the inside, man, I was a wreck, bro. Yeah. But because of the trauma, trauma automatically will eliminate trust. Oh, Be- so you're magically on defense. Because like it takes you were you told, while. you don't tell nobody what happened. So I got to play, I, I got a persona now. Oh, I'm good. But no, I'm not. But you're not going to get me to tell you nothing. Yeah. The minute I sense that, I put that wall up be like, hey, man, it was cool talking to you, Papa. I'm up. It's a red flag. Like, we you already know talk. where your no, time we, and space. Like you got I know what you're about. I know what you want. I've always said this. There's there's two types of people in, in the world. Those that are genuinely concerned and then those that just want information. And the minute I sense you wanted information, I was out, yo. Well, how can you, like, I've talked to... What was it uh, Willie Williams? He talked to me about uh, discernment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have that. Yeah, is that man. something you picked up, or like you always kind of had it where you could just look somebody up and down, and be like, mm, be, by be, this mile the before way. my my yeah, before when I began to understand who I was, I can tell when people just by their facial expression what they wanted from me, if they were being genuine or they was just trying to manipulate the way to get what they wanted to use it against me. Mm. 
you know. So I could tell my wife, I knew she was genuine. It just took me a long time to feel safe with her. Why is that? You know? Well, because um, I never had long-lasting relationships, man. The reason why I never did, because I never had an example of what a long-lasting relationship looked like. Mm. Everything was cut pretty short, you know. People got sick of you, well, later. You know? You didn't have time to build trust. At all. Because I feel like I got that now, man. Sometimes it's hard. It it, it does. But here's what, what... what was the breaking point for me and my wife was when my wife, when I met my wife, my wife was making big money. I mean, my wife. You got yourself a sugar mama? <laughs> Mira. <laughs> so my, my, no, no, my wife, I'm older than my wife. Oh. Yeah. So my wife is an educator by profession, by career. She Damn, holds so two masters. Two masters. She just got her doctorate. So my wife. So when my wife met me, my wife, I was an hourly wage worker. And it wouldn't. I was intimidated because, man, she she got it going on. She got everything. Me, you know, I just want to get in, get out. I'm gone, right? And uh, she had she was going through a divorce. We were talking. We went out a couple times. And I was like, man, let me just, let me just let you know real quick i'm not trying to go nowhere with this i'm cool with this if you not i get it boom i can fall back but i'm not really i'm at the point in life i can't i don't see myself settling down i ain't never said that i'm cool with the the arrangement okay so was she bringing you enough comfort where you're like this is good enough my wife took me to places i never thought i would go man but let me tell you this at one point she never ever ever threw it at me like oh you remember like this never until this day that we've been married five years how long y'all been together now well we we've been together 10 years but married for five Mm oh we just made our fifth year on the 29th man congratulations yeah man so by what it it freaked me out man because she never threw anything at my face never made you feel ask me for anything she goes don't worry about it i got it and i feel like wait up man you know i'm supposed to be the man in this she goes i get it i know right now you're trying to work yourself up don't worry about it if i got it i I got you you don't see that a lot you don't does that what freaked me out i'm waiting like okay when is she gonna flip man so i can get never did till this day was it like an internal conflict because like your entire essence of who you are saying wait she's giving 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 but i ain't got nothing to give back right now why yeah like do you what's up you feeling sorry for me like i'm poor or something did that cause friction within the relationship initially no that was all internalized because it was internalized and the reason why is because i kind of waited you know and there was moments when i wanted to do something she allowed me to do it hey that's fine you want to do that you got it she never said hey i got it no she she allowed me to do that but what what was the breaking point? She never threw it in my face. And I've been places where my wife look at I'll give you an example. We she went never challenged your pride. We went to Florida. She said, Hey man, uh, I got a trip booked for us. Man, you didn't even give me no time for nothing. No, don't worry about it, it's all taken care of. Wardrobe, everything. I see. Just like that. And then at one point I'm like, Man, what what are you trying to do here? You make are you making like like am, am, Am I somebody you taking care of? Am I an adopted kid? She goes, no, man. You've been real with with me. You've never taken, and I never did. I've never taken advantage of her. I never used her car. I never asked her for money. None of that. Never did. She just genuinely loved. She just genuinely loved me. And when that happened, I go, I I feel safe with you. 
Did you ever ask her about that? I did. And what'd she say? Like, what? Because I, you know what? Coming from where you come from, like we're gonna get into everything. Mm-hmm. But it's her, like her, her thing was, I knew the type of person you were. I knew that, but you never displayed it to me. Hmm. And I respected her. And the reason why she goes, you respected me more than my husband ever respected me. Like when we were dating, man, there was things she liked to do that she could have never do with her husband. And she, one time she says, do you like doing this stuff? Or are you just doing this because, I said, no, man, this is all new to me and I like it. She goes, I never had this with my husband. She was married 25 years. I I, I was never married. Never in my life got married. Mm-hmm. My son is 35 and that was a hookup. You know? I never thought I was going to get married. I was good with it. I was at a point in my life, I guess I won't get married. But and then she came along, and I'm really grateful for that. I see, Pastor. How'd you guys meet? At work. She was a, a assistant principal at the school I worked at, Lincoln, huh. up on Mary and Perry Street. Yeah. I worked there, and we would. she was my boss. And we clicked, and, you know, and one day she was, yeah, you know, I, uh, I've been separated for five. I'm, I'm getting ready for five. I said, wow, man, I didn't, I didn't know that. I said, you okay? Yeah. And then uh, there was, uh, you know, like uh, the administrative staff, they would do parties and Christmas, and I would show up, and we would talk. And then uh, they'd say, hey, man, let's, let's just go out. She goes, yeah, cool. And that was it. After it's just that. like you naturally gravitate to certain people in this world. Yeah, and I gravitated. I know that that's my wife, man. I know for a fact I got the right one. You know, we were saying off the mic, mm-hmm. the, um, the same, my grandma used to say, and I love it to this day, dime con que andas, te diga quien eres. So have you found yourself constantly rotating that circle of five, or have you always had a good circle? I never had a good circle till right now. Ooh, not till now, like not recently? Th- no, no, no. I mean, when I came to Peoria, that's when I started. I had, a, and um, Carl Cannon played a big role of where I'm at today. How I met him, I worked for Carl for free for over a year before he put me on payroll. For a year. But I was working third shift at Proctor Hospital. So I went to ICC uh, to get, uh, I took a class on addiction counseling. And that's something that I felt that I needed to give back. And I did it, man. And um, I was working at Teen Challenge. That was the the treatment program I went through. And we uh, they had a summit at Illinois River, the, the, the state prison up in Canton. And um, every organization had to speak about why they're there and what they're about. And Carl went before me, and he did. A, he was doing a lot for kids. And I was like, man, this dude here, man. Because at that point, when I when I met him, I felt that it was time for transition for me. Because I've been doing working in the rehab and and just in the therapeutic community for over thirteen years at that time. And I felt like, man, it's time for a transition. So then I was hearing him what he was doing. I'm like man, I think I want to do that. So we met, and uh, he was getting ready to go into his first school, and he says, man, I got a full staff now, but give me your information, and I'm, I'm going to need a bilingual because one of my schools, uh, it's a predominantly Hispanic community there, and I'm going to need somebody. Man, cool, let me know. A year after that, then he called me. He said, look, this is what I got. I, I got a spot, but I can't pay you. Can you give me one year for free? But at that point, I was working third shift. I said, okay, I worked third shift. So I worked third shift, and I go, sure, I'll do it. What made you do it? Because I believed in his vision. Hmm. And I knew that he wasn't on BS. It was not about popularity, because he really d- did want to help the kids he was working with. 
I and met I, him. And then and I jumped. He goes, can you give me one year? Sure, why not? So I would work third shift, leave out of the hospital, and go to the school, and then work at the school, get out at 3, go home and sleep. And I did that for a year. Just clockwork, in and out. So and then this was, I always say this because I remember payday would come, and everybody would get checks except me. And one guy said, man, how are you doing this? I said, because I believe in that man's vision and I like what he's doing. People were like, man, dude, yeah. you work more than the people who are getting paid. Well, they shouldn't be getting paid. Right, so, but whatever. <laughs> and um, so I worked with him. Uh, I started, what, two, 11, 2011. 2014, I was approached by the... Uh, by two officers that worked at PPD. That's when they had the Don't Shoot program. And they said, hey, man, they need a program manager, man. I said, what? So you need to apply. I go, man, look it, man. You need more degrees in a thermometer. Dude, I, I, I just got a GED. You know, that's it. No, you need to apply. So I looked at it and go, man, you need all these. I just applied. So they kept bothering me about it. So I went online. I didn't really fill out the whole application. Ross, to be honest, I just gave general information because I did that with the sense of they ain't going to call me. I'll just give them general. So instead of getting rejected for actually attempting, you're like, eh, let me just. Yeah, I said, I don't want to. Let me not. I, I'd rather just do this. I'd rather take that because I don't want to go through all of that. So I just gave general information. The next day, they sent me an email. Hey, we want to interview you. The next day? The next day. Yeah. And I was dating my wife. I go, hey, man. I just did a BS. They want to interview me. I'm like, they're, they're playing. No, go. Yeah. So I said, okay. So I got a portfolio together. There was 10 candidates. I was the last one. So I got a portfolio together. You know, I'm trying to be all cool. So I'm thinking it's the chief of police that's going to interview me. So when I get to the, it was at the police station, to the chief, so I'm sitting in the lobby. And I never forget the lady, his, his reception says, are you nervous? I go, yeah, you can tell. She goes, yeah, you're shaking, man. She goes, hey, man, just calm down. If this is for you, then God will make it happen. Just breathe. Just be cool. So I said, cool. Finally, uh, the chief came out. Hey, man, so come on in my office. So we don't go in his office. We go in the conference room. So it's the chief of police, the mayor, the state's attorney, the director of human resources, a, a captain and a lieutenant, six people. In your previous life, you got to be shitting. I'm like, I'm <laughs> crapping on myself. I go, man, these people don't know my background or nothing, man. I, they're not, I said they're not going to hire me. I got, I got guns and drugs. and, You know, so I went in there. I said, you know, what do you know about the program? Hey, I, you know, it's, it's reducing recidivism. How do we, how do we solve the, the, the violence, uh, the gun shooting? You know, and I said, look at let me just be honest here, man, because all of you are here looking at me like I, I'm a Harvard graduate. No, I got a GED and I got a criminal background. You probably know. You're probably looking at it right now. But I'm going to tell you one thing that I bring to the table that probably nobody else. I bring passion. I bring passion to what I do. Yeah. And and, and, and I think that's the key to this. You don't want nobody that's going to just work for a paycheck. I'm going to work to be a, to be the solution to bring about a difference in, in the community here in Peoria. That's all I got, man. But you want to know my background? I got guns. I got drugs. Look, at, that's what I got there, man. So I'm going to lay it out right there. That's all I got for you. What they tell you? They says, fine, thank you. It was, I, 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 I timed it, seven minutes. 
I said, thank you. We'll let you know. So I'm like, I'm definitely not going to get it, right? Yeah, seven-minute interview. You walking out after you just I'm dropped like, that out. Dude, I, I took my portfolio. I'm like, whatever. So I didn't hear nothing for like two months. I get a call, and all of a sudden, well, um, we had already picked the person we wanted, but the rest of the committee said that you deserve a second interview. I'm like, get out of here, you punky. He goes, yeah, are you Hell willing to do another yeah. second interview? I go, sure, I'll do it. So, Yo. so another month and a half passed. I don't hear nothing. The chief calls me himself. Hey, man, can you stop by when you get out of work, man, and come to my office? Sure. So I go in there. It's him, a captain, and a lieutenant. They go, well, hey, Angel. So the other candidate that we had in mind, he dropped. He said he, he got something else. So we want to offer you the job. I did this, man. You know, punking me or what? Where's the <laughs> camera? I did that for sure. He goes, no. What? He goes, no, we want to offer you the job. You for real? You ain't punking? Yeah. We want you to have it. I said, okay. But what's going through your mind? Like, as Man, you say, you I'm have thinking, this, this, this. Did somebody call and tell them, you know, because I have an ex-affiliate. So let me tell you. So... The way it happened was I had to be escorted in the police station. I didn't have access to nothing. So there was an officer that had to escort me while I was in the Is that station. because your prior conviction? my criminal, yeah, they, they had to do that. So, man, um, that was about a year that, that was going on. And I was meeting with the state's attorneys, which was Jerry Bray. I did a lot of work with him, phenomenal man. I'm in his office. He said, hey, man, come by. You know, I want to talk to you about something. And then we were, we were talking about a client I was working with, and he was going to court. What do you think? And he goes, by the way, what do you want to do? I said, man, I love what I do, but I would really like to even do this inside the jails. He goes, what are you doing about your background? What do you mean? He goes, you ever thought about expunging your record? I go, I heard of it, but I don't got the money for it. He says, look, it, I'm going to let me give you an attorney friends of my number. Give him a call uh, and uh, meet with him. So I did. Uh, Sean Donahue, who's a judge now, I met with him. He looked at myself. He called me back in. He says, hey, man, look, at, let me tell you, I'm going to be honest with you. You're going to be paying more for travel because all your cases are in Chicago. The lawyer's going to charge you more just to go back and forth. He said, your best bet is get you a lawyer from Chicago. So I went back and I said, hey, Mr. Brady. He goes, yeah, Sean called me, told me what's up. He goes, do me a He goes, what? He goes, Angel, look for an attorney in Chicago and give him my card. So my cousin who's a tax attorney. I said, let me get my cousin to call. Maybe he could. He goes, cuz, I'm really busy. I can't. But I got a friend of mine that that's what he does. I'm going to give you his number. So, um, Moskowitz, Jewish kid. Oh, yeah. Jeff I'm, Moskowitz. You see those commercials all, yeah, the, all over Jewish Chicago. Kid. So, um, <laughs> I call him up, and he goes, hey, man, come down to my office. Give me your stuff. I come down to your office. He goes, I said, look at, uh, I work, my boss is Jerry Brady, state's attorney of Peoria County. He told me to give you his card. He goes, all right, cool. He goes, all right, let me let me look at your stuff, and I'll, I'll let you know what I can do. So I left. Two weeks later, he gets me a call. He goes, hey, man, I need you to come to my office. We got to get this ball rolling. I go, he goes, no, don't worry. I said, man, I ain't got, don't worry about the money thing, man. Just get down here. So I go to Chicago, and he goes, I need you to go get your whole rap sheet, all of this, da, 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 da. I said, wait up, man. I can't sign nothing. I, I can't afford to pay you. He goes, it's been taken care of. Nah. Jerry Brady, state's attorney, wrote him a check for $3,500. Because he believed in you. you. He passed away 
Jerry, I think two years ago, he passed away, man. He he signed them and gave him a check to pay for my expungement and seal. Man. As an adult, is that the first person who really believed in you, like, wholeheartedly? C- Carl Cannon and Jerry Brady. And then at that point, man, I mean, it just, the doors began to open up. So, wow, that's... <laughs> but let, if, and I don't if I believe can in say coincidences. That, I'll tell you that. So I don't believe in coincidences neither. Let, let, let me just say, and if I can be open, and I have to because I can't say it no other way. I grew up in a very dysfunctional home, Ross, where addiction was a controlling influence. And what I mean by that, that my dad was a severe heavy heroin addict and an alcoholic. So my dad was heavily addicted to drugs, but my mother was heavily addicted to my father, meaning that she would, it was her to try to keep everything together in spite of the trauma, in spite of the abuse, you know? She was the one that that tried to to keep a family. so that comes back to the whole, you never saw a successful... I've never seen a successful relationship or marriage. My older brother uh, had a $35,000 wedding, and they only lasted six months. Every male in my family, not even a year, lasted. In really? So that was a, a big old thing. So my that was my fear, even back then, of wanting to get married. I said, I don't want to get married, and then, man, I'm not going to make it. And, and I told that to my wife. I'm not marriage material, yo. And it was the fear of that I get married and then I'm going to be like, and, and I told my wife this, I said, I cannot marry you and walk you down the aisle and tell you I do when I don't. Yeah. And my wife was like, I'm not ready. I just, I'm, I was in a 25-year relationship, relationship that was very abusive. And I'm like, yeah, so I guess we're cool. But let me go back. As a little boy growing up, uh, one thing that my I be, well I know this my father made sure that every destructive pattern he followed I was right there. I seen everything he did, from the cheating on my mother to drug deals and to drug uses. I've been in places that a kid should not be even in. Why did he take you through all that? Now I realize it. When my father died, I didn't understand or I didn't know my father was a phenomenal baseball player, a pitcher, and he had a four-year scholarship, athletic scholarship. My grandfather said, nope, you gotta work, and killed his dream. And at that point is when my father went left. He, he started game banging, and he started, he started shooting heroin at 15 himself. Because he couldn't follow his dream. So I believe because his dream was killed, he wanted to make sure that mine was killed as well. Because he wasn't so physical and aggressive with my other brothers than he was with me. I was the firstborn. Do you think this is why, and we're going to get into everything mm-hmm. that you do, but um, recidivism. Oh. that That's helping people not go back to the system, right? Let, let me share that because that's interesting with me, man. I tried my best to go to prison. You tried your I best. Tried, and, and I'm going to tell you why. is because of my addiction. And I remember getting locked up at Cook County all the time. And I remember telling the judge, hey, Your Honor, listen, man. If you let me go, I'm going to go back out there and start shooting heroin again. I don't know how to stop. I'll take whatever time you give me right now because if I go to prison, I'll be safe and I'll be sober and I'll be alive. He says, no, man, I'm going to let you go. You got to figure that out. And we kept going back and forth. And one time he said, look at man. I'm done with this, dude. You're testing the waters. I said, you told me. 
He says, I'll tell you this, man. If you do it again, I'll, I'll grant you your wish. I said, okay, I'm going to take your word for that. He let me go. Maybe two and a half months later, I came back. He goes, you really? I said, you told me. If I came back, you're going to grant me my wish, so grant me my wish. He says, I'm a, so he told the bailiff, put me in the back. They put me in, in, in the back. And I was the last one he called back. And he says, uh, I ain't sending you to prison, man. I go, what? I mean, you piece of shit, man. You're not a man of your word. He goes, I didn't say I was going to let you go. But I'm not going to send you to prison. I'm going to send you to treatment. But I'm not going to send you to a state facility because obviously you went through those like it was a hotel. I'm going to send you to a faith-based Facility. He sent me the Teen Challenge on Cortland and Armitage, 3601 <laughs> yeah, Cortland. Exactly. He says, this about. is the deal. I'm going to send you there. If you get kicked out or if you leave on your own, believe me, then you won't see the outside. You got my word on that. You will not see the outside. So now I go to this church program. But did you go in with like open willingness or you're oh, like, all right, I'm no. about to get kicked out of this mother right so now? So I got a bad habit. So this is a church program who doesn't get no state or federal funding. They get donations and they got churches that support them. Mm-hmm. So I'm, 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 I walk in this place and I'm like, so they put me in an intake room because you can't go into jet population until you get physical and all that stuff. I'm sitting in there and I'm I'm looking at this guy. I said, "Hey man, I, which he goes, man, I I was shooting dope, but he goes, I'm good." I said, "Well, man, I'm gonna be sick. I don't worry about it. They'll take care of you." So I said, "It's cool." Dale Manuel was the staff on duty, so he's doing count. I said, "Hey man, I'm gonna be sick. You guys are gonna be able to got something to medicate me? I don't, don't worry about it." I'm like, "All right." So the next morning, man, I feel it. I'm like sick, bad. He comes up. I go, hey, man, you know, I'm bad. You he seen goes, it. give me five minutes. I'll be back. God is my witness. Man comes to me and he hands me a Bible. I go, what's this for? Man, that's all we got. Am I supposed to tear each page and eat it? Do you not understand that I have a physical addiction, that I'm really bad? I said, this ain't going to work for me, man. I wish I'd, I didn't know the judge was going to send me. I would have told him. I can't do this. He says, wait up. He says, you know, if you walk out this door, I got to call it in. You're going to jail. I, I guess you're going to. He goes, wait up. Wait up. Give me one more night. And if you feel it the next day, I'll walk you out personally. But tossing and turning and I can't sleep, man. And I get a little, sh- I get a, a minute and all of a sudden they make an announcement, lights on. So when I wake up, I had crap and peed on myself because I didn't have no feeling from the waist down. That's how bad my sickness was. For seven days, this man cleaned me and gave me fresh underwear. And he says, don't leave. Don't leave. You'll die if you leave. You need to stay. And I remember on that seventh day I got up, I was able to use the bathroom, but, but for them days, this grown man washed me and cleaned me and gave me fresh underwear and changed my sheets. He says, don't leave. And I, at one point, Ross, I couldn't even look up in there saying, I was so embraced, said, don't worry about it, man. Somebody did this for me, so I'm doing it for you. And on the seventh day, uh, I got up and I went down and finally I went downstairs and I was able to eat. So the withdrawals are gone. I'm good, but here's the next fight. 
is me. Now I got to fight with me. Now I'm in a program that they're going to teach me how to deal with my attitude. Just a total transformation. So now I'm like, yeah, you ain't. So you're going to tell me what I can and can't do? No. It's either that or you get kicked out. And every day I fought to get out, but I would never leave. I would never leave. One time I uh, I talked to this other, this other uh, patient. His mother was coming to visit. So our our room, the window was by the alley. So I had it planned out. I'll get an extension cord. Oh, she got said, look at I made a list. Tell your mother, go to the store and get us. It was no drugs or no no liquor, but munchies. Because we didn't have that. You know, yeah, three square meals. Me, dude, I, I ain't ate in months. I'm hungry 24-7. So I said, tell your mother, dude. You, I said, don't worry about it. I got an extension cord. She'll time up. So, boom, she did it. And we're in there munching. And there was a new guy came in, and we didn't want to give him nothing. But we were stupid. So what happened the next day? This guy snitches on us. So we're in class, and they call us down. Hey, man, uh, and I had stuck it in this box that was a footstool that you opened, and I stuck it, but the dude snitched, told us where it was at. <laughs> so they called us down, and he, boom. He says, guess what? All of you's got to go. All of you, go pack up. I said, wait up. No, don't. It's not their fault. I'm the ringleader. I'm the ringleader, man. They, I was the one. He didn't want to do it. I kept pushing him. I kept pushing him. So if anybody got to go, it was me. Don't throw them out. Okay, then you go pack up. I'm like, what? can we talk? There ain't nothing to talk about, bro. You broke. You could have. You could have done some damage for what you did. So you got to go. So you know how a little kid when they get in trouble, they walk really slow. Yeah. I started walking really slow back mm -hmm. to the dorm. I had to pack it. I had a plastic bag with a little bit of you stuff. Give the puppy I had. eyes, like, no, oh man. So I'm walking, <laughs> and he's walking me. And the minute I get to the door, I fall on my knees and I start begging. And I grab them. Please don't kick me out, man. Because what you was doing was nothing really that bad. But it was a dope fematility. Yeah. I mean, I could have told this lady, bring this, bring that. I could have had everybody drunk, you know, all kind of stuff. I get it. I get it, man. I could have really done worse, you know, than, than, than. So than, they were reacting to something before it became something. Yeah, man. So I got on my knees and I cried. I said, please don't kick me out. I have nowhere to go. I'll die. From wanting to leave to not wanting yeah. to leave. Yeah. And right there. And then uh, I've been sober 25 years, Ross. Congrats. Give me that, man. I've been, Congratulations. I've been sober 25 years, but what sustained me and kissed me was the, the, the grace of God. Um, this was a Christian program, man. Now, I knew about church because as... Latinos, we're forced to go to church. We got to go to Misa, yeah, so, whatever, right? Well, you have to. You in my house, Sunday? you go to church. Yeah. <laughs> That's so, what my said when yeah. I was back at Christmas. Yeah, yeah. She's like, the only thing I want that you're here, give vamos a Misa. Yeah. I sit front row and you're paying attention. You're paying attention. <laughs> you can't dip or nothing, right? So, and I remember as a kid, I said, I know when I get this age, I ain't coming to church no more. And I did that. And when I made that decision, that's when my life went down. My father left us, left my mother alone with four kids. Because my father leaving, my mother went into a severe depression where she locked herself in the room. So now it's me, I'm like maybe eight, nine, taking care of three babies. While my mother locked and went through a state of depression. And I, so I had, to, I had to wash my brothers, feed them, wash their clothes, get them to school. I mean, it was bad, man. I, I became an adult at a very, very young, young age. So you never had the opportunity to be shown love. No. 
So like every time so, somebody tried to give you love, you fought. I was molested by my uncle, man, because when my uh, my dad was, he was uh, the head of the home. My mother never worked. When he left, my mother had to work. So my mother had to work two jobs, couldn't afford daycare or a babysitter. So she calls my uncle, who's an alcoholic, says, hey, I, I can't pay you nothing, but you can stay here. I need you to watch the kids. And that was bad right there. It, it got really bad that when I went to my mother, she didn't want to believe it nor accept it. So she had me taken to a therapist. And this guy diagnoses me and he wants me on all these pills. No, dude. I'm telling y'all the truth. This dude is breaking me off. My mother felt embarrassed and ashamed. She beats me out of the doctor's office. And at that point, I was a rebellious kid. I was so angry. My hope, my hope was taken from me, my trust, my manhood. And at, 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 at 10... Your I'm, safety. I'm, yeah, all of that, man. All of that. Uh, in school, if you would, if the teacher shut the door, I'd go ballistic because everything happened to me at the sound of a door being shut. The small triggers. Mm-hmm. To this day, do you still have those? No, man. You feeling good? Let me tell you my uncle that I finally approached him and forgave him. And people don't understand that. Like, this guy... He did things to me that you don't do to a little boy. And then beat on top of that. You you don't do it to a little boy. And in order for me, I wouldn't be where I'm at had I, had I not approached them and asked them for forgiveness. Because you were giving yourself forgiveness. And when I did, so he's not doing well. He's really bad. He's in a nursing home. It's a, it's a bad situation. But I could look him in the eye. I could be in the same room with him. But the way it happened... It, it wasn't privately. It was at a family dinner. Well, as most Latino families have. Oh, yeah. If it happens, and I it said, happens. wait up, man. I got something to say. And I said it. And everybody knew about it. And I said, y'all knew about this. So now I was 35 when I exposed it. And my mother, she knew my mother broke. And I said, you knew about it, but you didn't want to accept it. And if I don't do this, you might not even have a son because I probably would have wound up get, going back or killing myself. I tried suicide so many times. I, I believe, and I believe this, and I can say this, and I'm not ashamed to say this, God did not allow me to go out that way. Yeah. I should have been dead so many times, so many overdoses, man, so many. I remember my last overdose. So every time I OD'd in Humboldt Park, there's a hospital called the Region American Hospital. And I would get high and I would OD and they would just kick me out the door and I would roll right in front of there. And they already knew who it was. My last OD, I remember getting up and the doctor, his name was Dr. Rodriguez. And I got up and he goes, Angel, every time you come in here, man, I'm always here and I always bring you back. But one day I'm not going to be able to bring you back. What are you going to do? Like, man, Doc, I appreciate it. Left, went and got high. When I graduated from treatment, I wanted to go back to see he was at the hospital. And I went back, and sure enough, the receptionist, that even every time that would check me in, she was there. She, I go, hey, I'm Angel Cruz. Is Dr. Rodriguez still here? And she goes, what's your name? And she goes, that? She goes, oh, my God. Okay, let me show you something, man, real quick. I'm sorry, man. I don't want to. 
gotta no, show you this. We're all on your time. Okay, bro. I gotta show this you this. This is your story. Anyways, as you're looking that up, welcome into another episode of the uh, the KZ One Two Three Community Beat. We just started talking, man. I got so excited <laughs> to get another Latino in the room and a Latino from Chicago. Um, but yeah, welcome in. Hopefully, you're enjoying everything. And now back to the program. Hey, I want to show you. <laughs> I want to. I want to show you a picture. Uh, let me show you this picture. This is when I walked in. Oh, you have a picture from that time? When I walked in the treatment, yeah. But I always keep, I always keep because I have to remind myself where I came from. That's what keeps me humble. This is... Because I've floated your name around to a couple people that I know that know Peoria. When they... Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. You're a different man. Yeah. You're a very even, people, different man. People see that. Well, that's not your. Yeah. That was when I walked into the doors. My last treatment center right there. I mean, no offense. You look lost, brother. Yeah. Oh, lost wasn't the word, man. It's yeah. bien pedido. You could tell. I never believed in my life that I would go from that to this. It's my wife. Is a different person. You see what I'm saying? That's a completely different what, person, what, man. See, when I met my wife, I was sober, and my wife didn't believe. She thought I was making all of this up, and I showed her that picture. She was wide. I go, that's what I've been trying to tell you. She never believed me. She thought I was a dumb, you know. From all this, right, all this trauma, all this emotional baggage, everything that you went through to being in the room of some very important movers and shakers mm -hmm. in town. Seven minute interview is all they took to realize mm -hmm. how passionate you are. Is your passion trying to provide what you never had? 100%, 100%. Somebody took a chance and sat there and dealt with my mess, my attitude, my aggression, my anger, my rage and had a, the patience to deal with all of that. Um, it was men like that that began to break this wall of, of, of not trusting. You never had um, a good men role model to so provide you that. One of my, my, my role models, the greatest man I ever met when I went through Teen Challenge, his name was Emmanuel Sonny Oliver. He was a black man from uh, the west side of, of Chicago, Madison and Pulaski. <laughs> he was an old dope fiend there. He was my counselor. And he was the one that I was able to freely dump everything, that I admit everything that I did wrong and every wrong thing that was done to me. What made me know that I can trust him, he treated me the same all the time. He treated me like a person. Hmm. He never threw what I said at his face. He never brought it up. He kept treating me the same. That's what broke that for me, that I can trust. And I know I know who I can talk to. Who like, I, I tell people this, Ross. If, if I don't know you very well, we're going to keep it simple, man. You know? We're going to keep it simple. We're, we're going to keep it simple. Because even in churches... Which is sad, but it's true. You have to be careful. Everybody's not living right in church. Mm -hmm. And I remember uh, going through treatment and going to church. I thought that, you know, we're supposed to be open, right? Amen. 
I need help because of this. And uh, I've been hurt a lot, even with that. So um, getting on my knees and praying, man, God, I thought, wait up, this is freaking me out. I thought, this ain't supposed to be this way. I thought every, no. Everybody's not where you're at or, or want to be where you're at. So you got to guard yourself. And I've, and I've learned that. And I can tell, like sharing my story, it's not a big old promotion. It's not a commercial. I know at the right time when I can say, I get it. I can I can sympathize. I know what that feels like. Because I've been right there. But look, at I, I can tell you what worked. And it might not, but hey, we can give it a shot. It broke a lot of barriers for other men. I told you this in our conversation. I believe that 99% of the violence in America with whether they're black, brown, white, green, or yellow is the lack of a father. I, I say that for a fact because I'm a witness and I'm a testimony of that. Had my father been around and been a father, I could probably be a Harvard graduate in a big law firm. My father was an intelligent man, but he was broken by his father. That's, so that's such a hard. So hurt hard people, right hurt people. Yeah, hurt people, hurt people. My father was very intelligent. Did two years of college. The dude was bad, but he couldn't be normal. He couldn't be sober. He couldn't deal with the internal pain and trauma. He didn't want to. He wanted a self-medicated. I remember my uncle told me this one time. He says, "Hey, I, I gotta let you know this that your dad told me, and he was serious about it, that I'm not gonna get clean from this." This is how I'm going to die. And at 39 years old, that's how he died. He died on the way home coming from the west side. He went to go cop, as they call it. He went to go buy drugs. And he was walking home. And half a block before he got to his house, he collapsed. And it was an old lady walking her dog and seen my dad call the ambulance. So by the time he got there, he was in a vegetative state. There was... So... You know, my brothers went there to pull the plug. Um, very angry. I was super angry. Yeah. I, it even hit me even harder when the casket was going down. Because right there I lost it. Never told me he loved me. Never told me he was proud of me. Never went to school for plays or, 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 or contests. Never did know that. But he can beat me. And he can degrade me. And he can belittle me. But he never told me he loved me. And when the casket was going down, I lost it. That was your closure. That was it. But you it got worse. I got, so now I'm searching. I'm searching. Anything that looks like a man that would be somebody I can attach to. Went looking. It wasn't until Peoria, huh? It wasn't until Peoria. And even coming out here was a culture shock, dude. I didn't know nobody, man. But what kept me was I was helping people who were like me. And when I felt like, is this the way it's going to be? And I wanted to give in. I woke up and I remembered, wait up. Remember where you were at. Remember where you were, where you came out of. That next person walking through that door is going to need you. Mm -hmm. And that's what kept me going. Because I remember you asked me a few times. It was like three, four times already you asked me are you like it, Peoria? Are you like it, Peoria? Because mm -hmm. I just moved in April. See, it's here. changed a lot. It wasn't from when I came here. How know? much has it changed? Well, a lot of people are leaving. You know, they're leaving. 
um, you had a lot of people when I came through here. I'll tell you this. Hmm. So what I did on my free time and off time, see, I hated reading, Ross. I didn't like reading even in school. When I came to Peoria, I spent a lot of time drinking coffee and reading books at Barnes & Noble. My mentor told me, if you don't read, man, you ain't going nowhere. You're more, you're more stupid than a person who don't read. Yeah. So I knew how to take a bus. I didn't have a driver's license because I screwed that up in Chicago. So I wrote, I did public transportation for 13 years here until I was able to get my license back. So what I did was, I didn't. I wasn't realizing that I was learning how to like myself and hang out with myself. You enjoyed your solitude. I enjoyed my solitude. For the rather than needing the solitude to be controlled, you controlled your own. Solitude. Well, I was that one person. I I didn't like being by myself. So I would pay people. Come on, man. I got you. Don't worry about it. Just, just let's kick it. I can relate to that. A lot. So now I'm coming here and I ain't got no choice. So when my mentor said, "Hey, man, you need to read," so I took a bus. I would go to Barnes and Noble and sit there for hours. I read history, I read culture, anything to grab my attention. And I, so now I like going out and reading and drinking coffee. Then I started shopping. Oh, I could do this. And then the, the, the icebreaker was I went to the movies by myself. And I'm like, man, I'm cool. I don't need nobody, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But I was learning how to deal with me, how to like me, how to how to enjoy being being alone. How to love yourself. How to love myself. You never felt love before. None. Cold. Yeah. You know, uh even dating my wife, she goes, Man, you're cold and and I wouldn't try to be, but she goes, I could feel that. I go, Man, you can You know. I didn't tell my wife I loved her until we truly I said, I I think I want to be with you. And then when I told her I loved her, she goes you really meant that. I go, I did? She goes, yeah. So, I mean, my wife's my best friend. She's my teacher. She's my companion. She's my homie. You know. Uh, That's the one. Yeah. She, uh, she says, uh, when you go, she says this. She goes, I can't wait till you start speaking publicly so I can arrange your schedule and all that. She says, That's what we're going to be doing. And I see, because for me, is. Men gravitate to men who've been there and done that, been through it, you know, and has got. And uh, at the jail, it's been a phenomenal experience because I see pain, I see hurt, I see trauma, you know. Uh, we're looking at men that are facing 50, 60 years. How do I deal with life now? Yeah. If I only knew who my daddy was. I, I had one young man that uh, had a double murder, and I remember him at the school I worked at. I met him when he was in fifth grade. And even there, I, re I, I used to tell him, dude, man, if you don't get it together, single mom, no father, father in prison. And uh, when I heard what happened on the news and I got the job uh, at the jail, when he found out I was there, he reached out. I really need to talk to you. And uh, he got in my office and he says, you know, you were right what you said. He says, but I, if, I, if, I, if I only knew my dad, I probably wouldn't be in this situation. I never had a father. The streets raised me. It's just like all of us, the streets raised me. But I think uh, what stopped me from going to the next level was grace, man. God has something else for me. Because I should have been dead a long time ago, Ross. A long time ago. I tried it so many times. 
Even the doctor said, dude, I don't know what's wrong with you, but this just ain't working for you. The judge was saying, why do you want to go to prison so bad? You're not prison material. I took that as an insult. Well, you think I'm a punk? You think I won't be able to hold it down? No, because that's not who you are. And I didn't realize that. I did it, man. You're trying to save yourself in the worst way possible. In the worst way possible. How does it feel when you're able to actually connect to people in the prison and help them get that moment? Like, how does that feel? Because I'm I pretty feel, sure you've had some. I, I feel that I am effectively walking in my purpose. Yeah. How does that feel when you wake up to know that? Beautiful. Is it like the first time in your it's, life you really feel like you're authentically in it? Yeah, and I'm making an impact. If it's just one, hey, then it is. But I don't stop. I've, I've, I've seen a lot of men, men fall and come back, fall and die. When I worked in, in rehab, I, a lot of deaths, a lot of guys who went through treatment leave, and I found out, hey, man, he died. How'd you deal with that? Or how, how was that on you? Let me, let, me, let, me, let me share about the heroin deaths, man, a lot, a lot of guys in treatment that I, that I was, you know, that I was really trying to help them out. For me, it was a message of it's still out there. It's still out there, and it's not a respective person. It was a reality check. Hey, man, this beast is still out here. So don't think you got it all figured out. You have to remain humble. And that's how I respect it. I have to remain humble because I'm, I'm this close. Yeah. I could, I could make a wrong turn and, and lose everything. How do you stop yourself from taking that wrong turn? So people said, how did you deal? How, how can you say that you won't, you won't relapse? You got 20. How, did, how can you say, because I play the tape in my mind. If I ever get to the point where I think I need to treat myself, I got to look at the picture like the minute you stick that needle in your arm, your daughter, your son, your wife, your friends, everybody that played an intricate part in my life goes down with you. Back to that picture you showed me. Bingo. So that's why I take looks at it. That's why I stay sober. Because one false move, I kill everything and everybody that played a role in where I'm at today. You don't want to be lost like that again? No, I know how that feels. I know what it smells. I know what it tastes. Mm -hmm. So I take it, I, I have boundaries that I set for myself. I don't play with fire because I know it burns. Yeah. You've been through a lot, brother. My, my mentor told me, hey man, if you're Superman and you know that kryptonite is your weakness, what the heck are you walking down a field full of kryptonite, right? <laughs> I agree. You see what I mean? <laughs> oh, happy jolly. Yeah, like, hey, I got it. Happen. Uh -uh. Yeah, mm -hmm. you're gonna so fall down. I, I have boundaries. My family, uh, a miracle in itself. My family, uh, they had no choice but to push. I mean, I was dangerous. Mm -hmm. My family loves me, man. Now let me ask you this: So your son is what thirty? Thirty-six. So he's seen the change. He's lived it. My son went through a lot, man. He was warded to the state. His mom was young. I was young. I was bad. And uh, when I got him back in my life, it was it was rough, man. It was bad. He, he just like, it's too late for all of that. Um, but I kept coming back. Being consistent. I kept being consistent. I mean, he would throw everything and the sink. And one day he just finally said, man, Dad, I don't get it. Everything that I'm trying to do to just get you out of my life, it's not working. Is it because he didn't want to be broken again by being left by you? That, and it's like, I don't, it's too late. I don't need you now. When I needed you, you weren't there. But he goes, one thing, the camel 
the straw that broke the camel's got that, that every time you came back, you were the same man. There was nothing different about you. In other words, he was paid back. You know what? Forget you then, dude. I, I'm done. You know what? Forget it. But every time I come back, I said, I get it, man. I'm, I'm, you're dishing it out. I get it. Yes, yes, yes. But what can we do now? How's the relationship now? Oh, man. That's my That's, that's my your guy? Boy. That's my guy now. He's 36. He's been through a lot of rough. He's, he's, he's had some stints in prison, and it's been rough because there's a lot of pain there, and we're working through it, but I keep being the same. Good. I keep being the same. He said, what changed it for me, Dad, you you were always the same. I never tell him, hey, then forget you then. I don't, you don't need me. I don't need you. But I sat there, and I mean, he would get up. He would <laughs> be like, I get it, man. Okay. Angel, you know what amazes me, man? Through all this, and even when I was reading about you and mm -hmm. asking certain people about you, the one common thing that always came up was he has a big heart. He, you could sense his passion. You've been through a lot, it's, man. It's, it's, you gotta guard that, man. And I've learned because you, I, I've here. One thing that what the jail has taught me is that you gotta be careful. You, 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 you can't open up to men because it gets to the point now they got somebody they can suck the life out of, take for granted. So now I'm more guarded and discerning. To say, I can say it's like, you ain't ready, bro, so we don't even got to do this. You, you let me know when you really ready, but until then, you sit. Before, I mean, I got, I mean, because I, I, I knew how that was. I wanted people, like, change, bro, like, look at me. Everybody doesn't want that, Ross. Yeah. You can, you can give it to them, and they'll suck it up and still be who they really are. But and then you got some that make it. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. You, I got, I got uh, clients out there that I bump into. Like, man, thank you. And I'm like, oh, cool. And I'm like, who is that? Me and my 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 wife will go to Walmart or Target. People come up to me, man. Well, thank. Or this one lady, man, thank you so much. You you've been a blessing to my son. He's doing great. Cool, no problem. And I don't want to say who's your son. I'm like, thank you. And my wife, who's that? I, go, I don't know. <laughs> so one kid. Oh, he's not a kid. He's 35 yeah, now. Give me some examples, man, because I want to so, hear these stories. When I was at Teen Challenge, this guy was. Uh, popping pills bad. I mean, really bad. And uh, his parents, they gave him an ultimatum. Either you do this or we don't want you. Wealthy, you know. Wealthy. Really wealthy family. They they, they paid for everything. Anyways, long story short, he comes to Teen Challenge. And I go, hey, man, I'm just here. I'm just going to be honest. I'm here because my family gave me up. That's fine. That's cool, man. We'll see. All right, you ain't the only one. There's 20 other yous out there with the same, same situation. So we'll figure it out. But something about him, I gravitated to him. And I mean, we headbutted and headbutted. And I go, look at man, you, you're so selfish and self-centered and you rob your family because you manipulate them. And if your family would pass, if your mother, who is the one that's really, your dad is like, he's fed up, you know what, but just your mama who's crying for you to get it right. If she dies, you wouldn't even care. Oh, don't say, no, you wouldn't. Because if you really did, you would stop robbing her. I was still, yes, you still, you stole their heart, her will. Her faith. Her faith in you. Oh, she wow. only can hope that you're going to make it and she protects you. That's what you'll do. You won't care. So at that point, yeah. man, little by little. So anyways, long story short, he graduated. I mean, he was doing fun. Uh, he was doing awesome. It kind of stepped off the radar and, um. His mom on Facebook, she always says to me, hey, how you doing? And one day I said, hey, how's your son? Oh, my God, you got to call. So 
I called him. He goes, man, dude, I'm in Florida. I'm doing good. He's a um, a supervisor at a treatment center out there. He says, man, I wanted to do what you did, man, and I'm doing it. And he goes, he goes, thank you, man. You don't know how much I thank you. He goes, one thing about you, he said this, you were always the same person with me. Authentic. You drew the line. Yeah, you drew the line. So there's, there's a stories like that, and that's what keeps me going. That's what keeps me going. I'll do this until I tell my wife, this is how it's going to end. I go, we're going to have a house by the beach and a golf course, and I'm going to greet at Walmart, and I'm good. Hell yeah. That's it. You know, that's, that's you know, simple. You know, and if I can do some consultation or some speaking, yeah, but find me a nice little church that I can get involved with, I'm fine because it's going to happen. So what, but, pro- what programs are you involved with here in Peoria? So right now uh, – I'm uh, I'm a board member for Jolt Harm Reduction, Jolt Foundation. Uh, I was doing stuff with PCAF as well. At one point, I was doing a lot of two. Then I got married, so I kind of, I kind of like fell back. I said, I got to be a family. I got to learn. I never was married, so I have to learn how to be a husband and have Home a family. First. Yeah. So now is I'm gonna get back with Becky and see what I can. I want to go back into PCAF. She was awesome. Yeah. I want to. I want to do that. I want to be a part of. Um. For me, it's all about the community. The church that I go to, Riverside uh, Community Church here on uh, Monroe and uh, Hamilton, um, that's the first church I came to when I came to Peoria. Uh, phenomenal. It, it, it's been a big. So I'm involved. I'm an elder at the church. Nice. And, uh, yep, I'm an elder at the church. And then every Thursday I do a men's group, man. And uh, a lot of men that come to church and come off the street, man, and we just biblically talk about what can we do to better ourselves. What day of the week? On Thursdays, from six thirty to seven thirty, it's an hour. But uh, it's it's a, it's a group of men that they just come and uh, and it's a uh, we pick a scripture and uh, how does that relate to our situation? What can that do to make it better or how? Right? Uh, and I've I've seen a lot of shifting in a lot of men's lives because of the format of what we have it, man. Cause I've been uh, to some Bible studies mm-hmm. and I've not liked them. You gotta come by, man. Come on Thursday, six thirty to seven thirty. Just pop in there. Okay. Pop in there, man. Just come on we'll and sit down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, I feel like God's been mm-hmm. talking to me recently, and I've been trying to listen, but at the same have point, you, every time I'm like, mm-hmm. Have you visited churches? Uh, we can talk about here, it. We can not talk yet. About it. No, okay, I mean, it's part of the pot. I mean, this is so, a good collection of stories. So Riverside was another turning point and the, the, the first church that I, I came to and the church that really I, I can say I, I can see myself growing hmm. uh, uh, funny story so my wife is Lutheran and uh, it's, uh, I went to her church for Easter you know it's a, your traditional Lutheran Catholic like it's it's an order of service and mm-hmm. you know and so I, she, I wasn't, you know, frozen, chosen, joking. She didn't get it, right? <laughs> so I said, "Hey, why don't you, why don't you come to my church?" And we, I took her to Riverside. We're very light show, powerful, strong worship, and everybody's raising hands. And you can see, like, whoa, it's different. It's way different. It's very but, different. But she said, she says, if this is where you go, then I'll support you. I go, nah, I don't want that. I want you to come here because you want to come here. And uh, I just left it alone, man. I didn't. I didn't pressure her. And now, man, you, you can't get the woman out of there, man. Yeah, she ain't gonna leave there, man. But I, I've seen how God has transformed her life. You know, uh, a lot of things that uh, she struggled with. 
that she didn't understand why. And uh, the, the the women, she's got some strong women uh, that are friends. So uh, it's just amazing, man. Uh, I didn't force her. I said, hey, I get it. But I don't want you to do this for me. I want you to do it because you like it here too. And I left it alone. She would come on Sunday, never be like, hey, did you feel anything different? What did you think about? Didn't do none of that. I just left it alone. I said, hey, God, you got to change your mind because I'm not going to do it. And I watched it. I watched the whole transformation. Hmm. And now you can't get her out of there. It's amazing where you've come from, where you are now, man. Like at My, times when you're up at night, does it ever like hit you? You know, oh, yeah. Like like Chicago, when I go home, um, my mother... I go and I, you know, my mother's my best friend. And she said, son, would you ever come back to Chicago? I go, mom, honestly, no. And I go, mom, if it wasn't that you were here, I would never come to Chicago. And I don't have no plans coming back to Chicago. But because my family's here. But if it wasn't for you guys, I would never step foot in Chicago again. I'm done. Why? It's the past, man. It's a lot of bad history, man. Yeah. You know? And so... A lot of my friends that they're all dead. All my friends that I used to hang with, they're all dead. There's only one that's left alive, and I see him on occasionally, and he's he's up and down. But you know, I go there and I, I make sure he eats. And he goes, man, and him too. He goes, every time you come, man, you're the same man. I said, this is who I am, man. I don't have to perpetrate. I don't have no, man. This is who I am, and I'm gonna be like this everywhere I go. I'm not perfect, Ross. I'm a work in progress every day for the rest of my life. But one thing that I do know, I think. I think. You think, you feel, therefore you are? I think, yes. Yeah. Yes. There it is right there. I think. I have a family now. You how, know. how has your relationship with mom been able to be repaired? Mom's my best friend. I, still, I, 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 robbed, mom I robbed my mom blind. Literally took her to the bank. Because bitter... Uh, what she did that whole ordeal and uh, I said I'm, I'm gonna make you hurt like I did and finally when I when I turned my life around I said mom I, I owe you and she goes you don't owe me nothing she goes you're back I, I, I did a lot of wrong too so she's my best friend man you know I wish my dad was alive and I, I say this if my dad was alive I would fuck him and give him a kiss and say, Dad, I forgive you. Because yeah, I understand, you know? You know, um, I never went to the cemetery after we buried my father. This year, my father's birthday was August 26th, and my little brother said, you know, we need to go to the cemetery. We ain't been there. I'm like, I don't want to go because we have to. And I don't know how my brother did it, but he managed to um, to get us all to go. And it was that was the first time you went since we buried my father. Since I buried my father, did you have nerves or like you're like nah? You were fighting going as he's trying to talk and bring it. Oh, up. oh man, I, w I was trying everything, but he wouldn't let me get out of it. And I said, okay. He goes, you're the older brother, man. You got to help me out with this. And he threw that at me, and I was like. Um, Okay, and I got a hold of my other brothers, and we went, and uh, it was phenomenal. Cathartic. We were we were all there, and uh, I'm trying to pull up the picture. Do you feel like you made peace? Yeah, I did. I truly felt the peace. You feel like a weight off your shoulders finally. So my brother, my little brother, puts me on the spot, 
And um, my little brother puts me on the spot. Oh, that's a family right there. Mm-hmm. Nice, yeah. man. Mm-hmm. So my little brother puts me on the spot. He goes, do you got something you want to say? He goes, and I said, well, I said, well, Dad, look at this. All your sons are alive, and all your sons are doing well, and you have beautiful grandchildren. And if you would be alive, you would be one happy man. So my little, this is my little brother right here. This guy at the end, mm-hmm. he's the one that put it together. And after that, we went to my brother's house, and we had a big old meal, and all the wives were there. And uh, my wife says, "You okay?" I go, "Yeah, I'm at peace." You know? How's that feel? Oh man, feels great. You know, I always tell people because I hated my father to death, man, because the stuff he did to me, man. I hated him. I mean, I never felt hate for a person like I did for my dad. I like, I really hated him because of what he did to me, what he did to us, what he did to my mother, the abuse. I mean, uh, I'm gonna share something. My, my father was very physically abusive with my mother. One night he beat her so bad, shut both her eyes bleeding, and I was cleaning her face. And she was saying, don't you ever put your hands on a woman. That's not right. And that always stuck to me, Ross. Always. Now, my brothers, I can't say that for them. But for me, I never forget that. I was wiping her. She goes, don't, don't, please, don't, don't put your hands on a woman. You close your eyes. You could just be in that moment again, huh? So, yeah, uh, I never thought I would be where I'm at. Never, never a conversation, never a thought, man, I gotta get, never. My whole thing was, I'm gonna die like the rest of them. But you didn't? But I didn't. And that's why I, I say to people, I do believe there's a God. This wasn't coincidental that I woke up one day and I got a bug on my, oh, I got, no. I tried death so many times. He had to humble you in the, in the most Oh yeah. And, and, and this is why I, I say that you have to be humble to do what I do. People are not going to like you. People are not, they'll, they'll, they'll be one way in front of you and be a different way. Um, even with my job at times, they didn't like how much I was putting. You, you ain't got to do that much, man. You know, just, we just got to make it look like we did something. No, man. You got heart. You can't turn you, it off. I can't do it. I can't turn it off. If you were to meet six-year-old, seven-year-old you, what would you tell him? If I were to meet a seven-year-old kid, I'm like, hey, man. No, you. Oh, if I wouldn't, oh, if, I, if, if it to, was. If it was oh, you man. meeting you at six, seven, oh, what you going to tell God. yourself? I would hug myself, man, and say, I love you, and you have the potential to make a difference. My father, smart man, my father, um, here's the thing with my dad. My dad would have sporadic moments of clean time. One one season, he was a drug counselor and the best until he fell and started using with his clients. And he got fired, yeah. But he was good. He had a heart. My father had a heart. When my father was under the influence, he was the best man. Under, that's when we knew we can get whatever we wanted. We have to get it fast. But when he wasn't. He was the devil in his flesh, and and I get it. I, I you know, you know what? <laughs> this is amazing. You don't find out about a person until they die, like what really happened to them. If I'd have known this before, but 
my aunt finally sat me down and said, hey, look, let me tell you, I said, wow, I wish, you know, because I hated this man to death. I wished him dead every day. Do you think you would have had enough understanding in the moment for oh, yeah. to be like, come here, Pops? Yeah. Let's, you know, I would have, you know. But, um. Because I feel like, like I, you've grown a lot. My man, it's you were forced to. Grace. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, through trauma. Yeah, I, I was forced to do a lot of stuff I shouldn't be doing. I never had. Growing up as a kid, I didn't have a kid's life. I didn't have a youth. I didn't. At, at 13 and 14, I'm out selling dope already, man. You know, I didn't know what it was to be a kid. I never had that opportunity to be a kid. I was a kid raising three kids. You never had the chance to just go to school, go to pep and, rallies. And I, and, you know, I, I dropped out of school. I was a freshman for three years, not because I was illiterate, because I didn't want to. I didn't, thought I didn't need school. I remember my my uh, home grade uh, uh one of my teachers said, what are you doing, man? I go, she goes, you're so smart. So let me, let me tell you this. So when I went to high school, they put me in a class of students that had disabilities. So I remember going to, it was English, really low. So I walk in this classroom, I'm like, whoa, what's going on here, man? Like everybody's flipping out, bouncing against the wall. I'm like, so I tell the teacher, Am I, who you are? And you go, oh yeah, you're in the right class. So I'm like, like, man, I ain't like them. You know, maybe outside, but... So they did a, a tape test, all of us. So they said, well, I, we, I want to see where you're at, so we're, we're going to get tested. So the next day, the teacher says, Mr. Cruz, come here. I go, yeah. Um, I owe you an apology. I go, why? This, this is not the class you're supposed to be in. I go, what do you mean? You scored the highest overall. I was like, man, I kind of knew that. I wasn't stupid or crazy. <laughs> But even with that, I'm going somewhere, even with that, it didn't motivate me because I wanted to hang out, get high. I mean, you were responsible at such an early age. Mm -hmm. Why pack on this other responsibility when it may not help you? You got to raise a my, family. My, my f father killed that in me, man. I wanted to be like my dad. Kind of like a big middle finger right back to him. Like, all right, I'm not going to be better than you. I'm going to be you and this is your problem. But worse, I'm going to be the worst of you. Like, looking back at it now. Oh, man, I'm like, that was crazy. I never had conversations of being better and being sober. That's why I know that there's a God in heaven that prevented me from going out like my dad did. That's amazing, man. I don't, I don't, I'm not ashamed to say that because it wasn't me, that's for sure. How about this? Let me ask you this. If there's someone right now listening who feels lost, feels hurt, feels like the world's too much we got from there's hope for you because you have purpose and what you need to do is find out what that purpose is how do you advise somebody to find their purpose they have to be willing to allow somebody to walk that journey with them <laughs> I couldn't do it by myself Rose. that's why God put the right men in my path to walk alongside me during this journey of living life like for real I agree with you I've I didn't had, know I've had a lot of men in my life who <laughs> I mean an amazing and, father thank God for him <laughs> he till this day he'll call me real quick and he's like hey I heard your mom say you got something wrong with your apartment FaceTime and teach me how to do it <laughs> and, and here's the thing too and I say this because I, I don't care I can say it 
Two of the biggest influence in my life were both African American. Yeah. Two of the biggest Who? mentors in my life were both African, and they were both pastors. Who? Sonny Oliver and John Harper. John Harper, Sonny Oliver. Mm-hmm. They're yeah. both. They both. They uh, passed away. My condolences to you. Mm-hmm. What did they teach you? How to be a man. Hmm. How to be a man. Any of those uh, lessons they give you, you do now? Yes. Did you instruct mm-hmm. other people in the yes. community? What type of thing? First of all, is learning how to love yourself. Oh, that's the biggest one. Learning how to love yourself. And they taught me how to love myself. How does Angel Cruz love Angel Cruz? How does Angel Cruz love Angel Cruz is how he shares love with those he comes in contact with. I have to give it away, man. This is not for me to keep, Rose. This (laughs) is for me to give away, man. It don't mean nothing if I keep it. So I give it away. How about this? When it's all said and done, how do you want to be remembered? A man with passion. Con corazón. Yeah. For people. I like that, man. For people. People, there's people who don't want to deal with people. And I, my wife says, you always get those that nobody else want to deal with. I go, I know, man. I don't know why. but Because you were somebody outcasts, that nobody wanted to right. deal with. I love outcasts. And not the singer, bro. That's a great group. <laughs> I, love, I love the outcasts. Because those are the ones that are crying. Just waiting for somebody to reach out to them, and you gotta know, you got you gotta understand the mindset. You gotta know that, okay, I already see what you're thinking, so I gotta I gotta stop that. No, this is not you gonna manipulate with your way. No, either you deal with yourself or you don't. And if you want to, okay. And if you don't, you ain't ready. Mm. I don't know how you do it so much, man. Stay consistent. It's, you don't. You don't. I learn something new every day. Oh yeah. But I'm on my knees constantly, being rejuvenated, being refreshed, being refilled. Because there was somebody that didn't know me who was all up in my mess and didn't think of me any different. Physically, yeah. Who was there to clean up my mess. Yeah. I mean, from man to man, it's amazing just to hear the story. Well... Like the, I was excited the guilt, to talk to you. The guilt and the shame in that, man. A grown man cleaning a grown man. Not just that in general, but I mean the entire mm-hmm. story. So yeah. what, what this podcast is, is collecting stories. It's showing people that we all have different colors, all different vibes, I, all I, different everything. Or else I believe no one is without excuse. There is no excuse. You can if you want to. Let, let's look at it like this. Let, 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 you grew up in the area, I did. The Jay-Z's. Mm-hmm. You know, all, yeah, all these cats were slanging, and now they're worth millions and billions. Mm-hmm. If you listen to uh, Nas's King Disease 3, he yeah, talks about it. He talks about One, it. What's it? Once a man, twice a child? He talks about it. But they had to make a decision to get there, yeah. and it wasn't easy because uh, uh, the world was against them in that process. Jay-Z. You look at him now, the dude is so intellectual. It's unbelievable, man. And the stuff that he's involved in. Mm-hmm. You're talking about one of the biggest crack dealers in Queens, New York, like Marcy Home Projects. But look at him now. Nobody knows that now. 
Little Billy's and Chaz have no idea about that history. Everybody want to be a gangster rapper. No, you don't. Find who you are. That's your purpose. Look at 50. Exactly. Come on. 50 was one of the biggest ones. But for me, I knew that that wasn't me. My purpose in life was to bring hope to the hopeless. How do you advise somebody that is never lived a life, never known the life, never been in taught anything about this, who are from the outside looking in and may have fear of an individual that is slightly aggressive, mm-hmm. but it's for good reasons, right? How how do you communicate with them like, yo, they just need love? That's the shocker, because they've tried everything in the book. But you, you got to be careful when you show love. You, there got to be limitations now. Because mm-hmm. any sign of weakness, a person can go in there and suck you dry and you wouldn't even know it. So you have to be discerning and if you have to guard yourself, you gotta know when to set those boundaries. Like with the men, man, you, I, I'm like, no, dude, we're not, we're not doing that. You're talking about you're gonna, because I heard somebody say this, everybody goes to church in prison. Everybody wants to do right in prison. Everybody has the right thing to do. Everything. Everybody has the right thing to say and what they're going to do when they get out, but it's the total opposite. Here's why. I'm going to tell you why. This is me. Why recidivism is so high. Every man and woman in prison knows their exit date by far. Probably know it more than their birth date or their social security number, right? Everybody knows their exit date. The one thing that they don't have is an exit plan. Hmm. And when you don't have an exit plan, it just that's just saying that Either you'll wind up dead or you'll wind up back again. One guy that I met, he was 52 years old, just did 20 years and got caught up and, and went down for another 17. Damn. And he goes, Mr. Cruz, I always knew when I was going to get out, but I never had a plan on what I was going to do when I got out. And that's why you do what you do? And that's why you do what you do. I believe that's a that's a reason why recidivism recidivism is so high. Everybody knows when they're getting out, but nobody knows what to do when they get out. People like you, people like well, hey, you know, you, you, you like think about it. Everybody, man. Corrections they have a lot to offer, but we look at there's there's contracts, there's things you could do to get your time reduced. But if that's in my mind, if I do A, B, C, and D, then I might get my time reduced. Then I'm gonna do that. That's your focus. You know. Well, it's because you're living in survivor mode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're not living in in a place where you could find comfort and take a second to look at the bigger picture. And you're like, all right, I got to get to here, to here, to here. You're just trying to get by the next day. But I think the reentry piece has to be much so inside the prison yeah. to prepare these men when they're down six months to a year to get released. Hey, what's your plan, man? How do you help somebody transition from survivor mode to just living? I say that's a journey that never ends. Do you still feel yourself in survivor mode sometimes? No. You now feel like you've plateaued and you've settled. I, I plateau- I've settled, but I have to even be watchful as that too. You know, hmm. um, you 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 got to determine w- what's coming at you, right? And you got to discern what's good and what's not good. What's a setup? You know, um, when I when I started with the jail, I had a call from an organization 
that had a, a great position with a great, great package. Great package. I mean, I could have been set for life. But I felt deep down inside, no, not yet. I believe in loyalty. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I made that commitment to the Peoria County Sheriff's Office. I said, no, I'm here because I believe that we're going to do something here. And it was immediately after that. And, I, and uh, the person even said, hey, man, think about it. No, there's nothing to think about. I'm good. I appreciate that you thought about me and called me. But as of right now, I, I, I'm on a mission. And, and I want to see something grow here that I believe that's going to make a difference. And I didn't feel no remorse, no regret. I'm like, damn, no. Explain loyalty for you. Loyalty for me is 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 saying what you're going to do and doing it even when there's backlash and backstabbing. You feel like you've been loyal to yourself throughout the years? Not always. There was moments where I questioned myself. Am I doing this? Am I doing this for the right reason? Yeah. Or am I being like everybody else and I have to catch myself? And I'm like, wait up. This is what my heart is for. You know, um, I always want to look up because when I'm looking up, I got a direction that I'm moving in. Confusion comes when you look at everything going on around you and it's easy to get sucked in. And 99.9% .9 is not even about you. You got sucked into something else that wasn't even about you. Yeah. You lose focus. You lose passion. You start overthinking, overanalyzing. Yeah, it's like, man, forget this. No. When COVID hit at the jail, uh, there was... Uh, some layoffs that were gonna take place. And I'm like, man, I'm the new kid on the block. And uh, I knew it. And uh, I went and I told my supervisor, hey man, if there's anything, cause I wasn't able to do my job cause we, were, we had an outbreak. And I said, from the looks of it, man, you're gonna need some help in these areas. I'll be willing to do that, man. I need my job. Are you sure? I go, yeah. My supervisor said, well, let me check. I said, okay. I scrubbed floors. I passed out meals. I did that for two whole years, man. You humbled yourself again? Yep. Because I needed, and I knew that, I knew eventually I was gonna be able to be effective in, in my position. And right now things are starting to turn around. We, we're, we're starting programming back up again. And you know, it's just, you know, we got we gotta be mindful, we gotta be protective, you know, the COVID and all of that. But things little by little are starting and, and we're gonna see the fruits of the labor in that. I believe reentry is an answer. Yeah. To so so I I like to tell the man believe that your condition does not have to be your conclusion. <laughs> ah, that's great. I love that. So how do we how do we make that work? You got to believe that you can. You have to be consistent. You have to be consistent. So a lot of individuals in prison have had inconsistency. Right. Life. And, and me consistent too. Trauma. It's me too. Yeah, I didn't. I, I man, I didn't but trust nobody because everybody came and went. Man, like man, what more can I give you? I ain't got nothing. But Angel, ain't that crazy though? Like there, there is an entire subdivision of a branch of our society that has known nothing but consistent trauma, consistent failures, consistent yeah, shortcomings. Man. People who have come into life, promised everything. And swept the rug right underneath them. Of course. And you or have to... took themselves out because they couldn't handle it. But uh, it's what you put in, Ross. Yeah. My biggest battles weren't with nobody but me. 
Yeah, but it was hard to even identify that. Oh, one hundred percent. And then even when you identified it, you have to go through the acceptance. Oh, or, or even right is. now, people be like, "Man, that stuff didn't work. That ain't gonna work." Now I don't care what you say, but I'm not gonna stop. Good. I'm not gonna stop. You can say all you want, but I'm not gonna stop. Hmm. I don't. I'm not one. I don't. I don't like to be in the forefront. Camera. I don't like none of that. that I don't. That's not me. I really want to help people. Well, I'm gonna take a picture of you when we're done. Oh, <laughs> I really, I really want to help people because somebody helped me, man. I didn't do this by myself. I didn't get here by myself. Yeah. It took. It took honest men that, in spite of my frailties and trauma and difficulties and bitterness, they stood by me. So that's what you want people to get from your store. Yep. You know, believe it or not, put two Latinos in a room and we'll talk for an hour and a half very quickly. <laughs> yeah. It's already been an hour and a half, Doc. Wow. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even know that. <laughs> you, wow. put, you put two Latinos in a room, this is what happens. Yeah, man, we can keep it going, yeah, man. Yeah, man, it is what it is. Going. You know, it's just, it's, a, and the funny thing is the next song up on the station right here is Angel. <laughs> As I look up, it's Angel by Shaggy. <laughs> oh, wow. But, but, but one thing that I can honestly say, and I'm not ashamed of this, if it had not been what Christ done in my life, I, I wouldn't be in this interview with you. you I, I have to say that. Were you angry at God for a while? Oh, yeah. Were you angry about it? Well, my father. Who does this? Who brings a kid into this world? God, why'd you like this? You know? But it wasn't, that wasn't God's plan. It was by choice. I was a ragdoll. You know? It, it it took me a long time to realize that. But the more I opened myself to wisdom and understanding, it became, okay, I get it. I get it. Uh, the abuse, it's its a generational curse. Do you have a favorite uh, parable or story from the Bible? That... There's, um, there's one story. Um, Mark 10, uh, it's verses 46 to 52. It's a story of a blind man who sat by the road every day and begged. And he begged, and he begged. He had his little cup tapping, just begging for money. He had The only thing he had that identified who he was was a cloak. That's all. That determined who he was, a blind man. But he came from a very well-to-do family, but they were ashamed. And one day, he's sitting at the road, and, and he hears this noise of, of a crowd of people coming. He says, hey, man, what's going on? He goes, well, that's Jesus. He's coming by. He goes, what? So in his mind, he goes, I got one shot because I heard what this guy is about. I got one shot to get to this man. I, if, I, if I can get close, if I can get to him, my life won't be the same. So what happened was he starts shouting his name, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. People are telling him, hey, man, shut up, bro. He didn't want nothing to do with you. You, you blind, you nasty, you dirty. It's talking mess. But he takes it to another level, and he screams louder. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Christ stops and he says, who's calling me? And the disciples say, hey man, do you believe there's thousands of people screaming? How you know somebody's calling me? Somebody's calling me, bring him. So the same people who were telling him to shut up, they go back and they say, hey man, he wants to talk to you. Oh, see? So he goes back and uh, Christ says, what can I do for you? He goes, I want to see but in in the process, he says, if I could just get one interview with this guy, if I could just come in contact with this guy, 
I know because he knew who he was. He said, Jesus, son of David. So he knew what this cat. So obviously he'd been hearing stories of the miracles that were taking place. And now he finds out that the miracle working God is coming through his block in my neighborhood. Dude, I got one shot. Yeah. One shot. And he recovers his sight. He goes, he goes, hey, man, I, I, I want to see my sight. I like to go shopping at Walmart. I want to go to the church down the block. Can you just give me my sight? And he says, your faith has made you well. You can see. And not only the good thing after that, he didn't go back. He said, hey, man, if you did this, dude, I want to work with you. Let's keep going. And I, that's one of my favorites because it wasn't a thought of desperation that got him to the master. It was the act of desperation. He did whatever he had to do to get to the master, the one who would change his life, and he did it. Out of servitude and love. <laughs> The thought of desperation leaves you in a state of depression. The act of desperation pushes you to a to pushes you into the road of freedom, man. And that's all he wanted was one shot. Because look at look look at Wait, look. say that one more time. The thought of desperation, what? The thought of desperation leads you to depression, but the act of desperation leads you to the road of freedom. You think <laughs> about it. You got these guys with these cups. Why are we financing people's dysfunction when we can lead them to freedom? But yet we rather finance their dysfunction. Why do we keep financing their dysfunction? I've been hearing a lot about that in town. You see what I'm saying? Like Why are financing we, the wrong? We're financing their dysfunction. We're not doing nothing. Mm -hmm. That's all he did. And who's to say everybody put, put money in this cup? They could have probably thrown some rocks because he didn't know. He was blind, man. Yeah. But he had trust. But he had trust, but he had faith because he knew that if this guy, if I can get an interview, I, I, I knew, all I need is an interview, just one shot. So I got to do, I got to go above and beyond. You telling me to shut up? Dude, watch. I got enough energy, I'm going to scream louder. Now you want to tell me, hey, man, can you, can you throw, I ain't throwing a good word for nothing. This is my opportunity. I'm going to take it. And because he did, he, he his sight was given back to him. His <laughs> hope was given back to him. I like that, man. He can be somebody now. Now he can be a husband and he can be a father. He has a future. He has a direction. So you draw a parallel from this. Yeah. Interesting. Mm -hmm. You know, the old hymn, uh, you know, uh, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound, Who Saved a Man Like Me. I once was blind. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I, was I once was blind, but now I see. Mm -hmm. Grace. Grace came looking for me and never stopped until it found me. How'd that feel? Great. Yeah? Great. I remember when uh, I turned 40 years old, my aunt called me, which we rarely spoke. And she says, Angel, I go, what? She goes, you're 40? I go, yeah. You made it past your father. And I'm like, why do you say that? Because we already had a plot. We were going to think you were going to go the same way at the same age as your dad, but you made it past your dad. Yeah, you got to love Latino families just off of that. <laughs> that's, we're really grim. Like, if you think about it. Oh, my God. You, that's encouraging, right? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Thea, for the encouragement. And like, I'll go home, and like if I've lost some weight, but, my mom hit me with the, you're not as fast as I thought you were. Oh, thanks, man. <laughs> but one thing that I would say for men, yes, you can. Yeah. Yes, you can. Of course. But you have to put some footwork into. Somebody, somebody trust. said to me, he goes, you know, you got to be careful with people because then it could get to a point where you could say, how is it me helping you hurting me? Keep turning the cheek. 
See, that's where I have issues. Me helping you hurting me. So we have to draw the line. And and, and it's okay, man. I'll be honest with you. There's times in my life where I've had to draw the line on things. Yeah. And I felt bad for drawing the line. There was moments with my son I had to do that, and that hurts. But I had to draw the line. I said, dude, you're not going to... You're not going to collect no payment from me, man, because if anybody could have collected the payment, it was me. And I'd be rich as hell, right? Sure so God. we're not, excuse me, we're not, excuse my language. But oh, you're good. We're on the podcast. We're, we're, not, we're, not, we're, not doing, we're not doing that. But that's, you know, that's, I'm a people pleaser. I have my own trauma. Mm-hmm. And when I have to put the line down on certain people that I love a lot or have a lot of care and affection for, I won't show it to them, but I'll lock the door and I'll be in my own place and I'll feel like, damn, maybe they just need a little bit more understanding. But then I'm like, no, no, no. You'll feel it, man. Then you'll notice, no, now you're playing. And and I've gotten to that point, oh, now you're playing. We're not doing this. And I have no remorse doing that. You know, I'm not like, oh, man, I should have never. No. It's clean cut. Mm -mm, Man. Is that always how you've been, or you had to learn that? Oh, I had to learn that, Ross. Because I'm learning that now. I had to learn that, dude. It's hard. I got burned so many times. I still got skin skin graft (laughs) on my butt, man. But you understand what I'm saying? So I I grew like, no, now I draw the line. That's why it's it's not hard for me to say, you're not ready, bro. So I don't even, I ain't got time for that. Like learning when and where to pick the battles you choose to ride out with. I think that's where in my life now that mm-hmm. I am currently having to struggle with. Like, I'm, I'm learning when to be professional, when to let them know, don't overstep me. And it's hard. It's hard, man. Rejection, that's why. Hmm. Rejection. You don't want to feel like, oh, no. But when you're honest and humble about what you stand for, nobody can do nothing about that. My best friend keeps telling me, trust God's judgment. Fuck everything else. That's that's where I'm at. Excuse my French, whatever. No, but you know that's where I'm at. You Honestly, know, um, me and my wife we have a goal for 2023. Years, um, me and my wife are givers, man. I'm, 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 let me share about giving. I wasn't a giver, very stingy, very selfish. I can have a pocket full of money and see if I can borrow, get some money off of you. Mm-hmm. Very selfish. When when I got my life straight and God said, now I want you to give. I want you to give. Did you fight that? Oh, what? But I work hard for this. What? <laughs> you like? You no. want me to give what? From who? From so where? I would, uh, there was many a times I would say, "Hey, babe, listen, man, I'm I'm in a situation here. This mom and her kids, they ain't got nothing. I'm gonna go and get. Yeah, go ahead. And my wife, vice versa. She goes, "Yeah." So we give, we give, you know. And because of our giving, we never lacked. We've never lacked. So you guys are. Uh, We're not rich. Spiritual couple. You're rich in spirituality, but we discern too. You 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 gotta you gotta you gotta know you gotta know because people if, if they can see that they're gonna go for it. You know, the like me, I to take a mile. See, I never give you if I give you money, you're not gonna get my phone number. No, because you're not gonna be calling me three in the morning that you locked up or this. No, you're not doing that. You get one shot with me. That's it, because I already know. Uh, I already know all the lingo. Oh, man, you know, my car, I need gas. Okay, get the gas tank. I'll go get you gas. You know well, the excuses. Yeah. Hey, I'm hungry, dog. Okay. Matter of fact, I'm going to do Uber Eats. No, nah, I'd rather go pick it up myself. Whatever. I mean, don't. Yeah. Man, let me. Nope. No, I don't want to hey, bother you, big bro. Hey, I don't want to bother you. This was in the church parking lot. <laughs> I was coming out of church, and this dude came up to me, man. I'm starving. My wife, I said, cool, man. Uh, what you need? Come what on. What you need? Let's go. 
But you don't trust me? No. <laughs> I don't know you. First of all, let me tell you this. When's the last time you did some dope? Because either you high now or you need money to get high. That's where we at, okay? So don't come in here and, 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 and get all tough because you sick. So what is it you want? Now, if you want help, I can drive you right now and put you in detox so fast. Oh, man, forget that. You calling me a dope fiend? I ain't calling you a dope fiend. It came out your mouth. I'm just calling it as what I see. What you mean? I shot dope 17 years, my friend. I could smell it and you spot know? it a mile away. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was high. Damn. In church, a lot of people, can you talk to this individual? Because I don't, I love God, but I ain't going to play with you neither. You be straight up. Oh, yeah. You're Angel Cruz. You ain't going to change it. You know why? Because that's the way it was given to me, Ross. Very straight, blunt mm -hmm. forward. I was told to shut up sometimes. You're talking too much. You need to shut your mouth, bro. <laughs> You think you out? No, man. No. I you're, can tell that now. <laughs> you, you're a garbage can wrapped in a suit, dude. You still stink, right? So, um, but I wouldn't do anything else but what I'm doing right now. I'm happy for you, Angel. The, the heart for people, and and I've learned a lot, man. Don't don't, and I'm still learning. Yeah, I'm still learning, man. Because people are people, man. Saved and unsaved, man. People are people. You got to know that. But then you see those where you hear years later the calls. I get cards like, I don't remember. But thank God that I was able to be in their life for that moment, for that season. You know, I am happy for you, like truly. Like We, we don't know each other but like I, that. But, but, but like help me out. But but hear me out too, Ross. Hmm. I get moments, man. You know, I mess up. You know? It's I'm not. In, 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 in the very beginning, man, I didn't know what it was to be a husband. Mm. I didn't know that stuff, man. I didn't. I didn't. I had. To, I didn't understand my wife's language. I didn't, you know, my, and, and you know this. So if I come home to work from work, if my ma, if my wife doesn't ask me how's your day went, I ain't saying nothing. But her, on the other hand, she'll let me know how her whole day went. Yeah. And she, how come you never talk about your job? Because why? It's the job. It's done. I'm home. I'm done. I'm home. Yeah. I, I, I kind of decompress when I get out of work. I, I relax. I'm not trying to take none of that home. You put music on? Oh, yeah. What's your go-to I like I like, I like uh, podcasts. You know, man, Kanye West. I know I'm praying for that brother. I mean, yeah. I like his old stuff. Nah, uh, nah, nah, nah. Wait till I, I get, get my money. money right? yeah. mm -hmm. Oh, that's an amazing yeah. song. Man. You know, uh, even when he, uh, man. When he was doing Sunday service, man, he yeah. was on point, and uh, it's he was to on see point. Where he's at now with and this. and and people say, "Oh, he did." No, I, I really do believe, man, he was right on point. But I believe that at, at that time too, he was on his medication. I believe that too. Well, after his mom passed, man. Well, yeah, he lost it, and then his you know his thing now he stopped taking medication, and we see the effects. Mental health, mental illness is big, man, especially mm -hmm. in the prisons, man. Mm -hmm. It's 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 really big, man. Who do you surround yourself? Who you dating? Who you all bringing into your bed? Who you bring? All of that. That man. impacts a lot you as a that, man. You, that you, impacts You're not a lot. sleeping with that one woman. You're sleeping with everybody else. I'm saying. And, and you know, it, and, and and we have to be careful when it comes to people, man. We got to know how to draw that line and not feel bad about it, because they're gonna realize that, man, I messed up bad with this person. It's funny because some people that like to be habitual line steppers, and to that degree, they don't care. Oh, they don't. And they're going to sit there and admit it to their blue in the face, bro. They'll take it to them in the grave, and that's where you got to be. Well, you know what? 
that's cool, man. Then then I can't vibe with you. I'm happy with you. Do what you gotta do, but don't be over here. Hey, do what you gotta do, but you're not gonna do it here. <laughs> you can't stay, but you gotta go. <laughs> I don't care where you gotta go, but you definitely can't stay here. And you gotta be and you gotta accept that and be good with that. You gotta sleep after that, man. Yeah. How mm-hmm. long did it take you to be happy with the individual that you were laying in bed as? Myself? Yeah. Another about fifteen years after after treatment. Man, I was learning. Even after treatment, man. I still had to deal with me. That's good. You're doing the work though, man. Every day. Like I hope from my perspective, being on the outside looking into your story, right? Mm-hmm. What I hope when people listen to this is they see a man that has a big heart that was able to take the trauma, really dissect it. Been saved, but because mm-hmm. he wanted to. Mm-hmm. And, and and another thing, I couldn't do it by myself, Ross. Yeah. I had to trust people to come in and help me how to deal with I didn't know. I thought I knew. And you, I'll tell you why, because everybody in my fa- in my home, how they dealt with their stuff was they medicated themselves. So I figure that's the solution. Because we all have our own forms of self-medication. Yep, 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 yep. Whatever you choose it is. So I thought that's how you deal with stuff. And it wasn't. I had to face it. Somebody said face it today, face it tomorrow, but face it you will. So how do you positively self-medicate now? I pray a lot, man. Yeah. Uh, And then... um, It's a different type of high. Oh, yeah. There's no high like the most high. I think there's not. There's a sense <laughs> of like peace. That. Yeah. There's a sense of peace. And uh, I got somewhere I can go when it gets overwhelming. I got somewhere to go when, when I don't know. And I, and I got somewhere to go when I can't. I got somewhere to go. What am I doing wrong? I got somewhere to go. Help me. It took me a long time to be this at peace with who I am as an individual. Making peace with my past oh. traumas, past errors, past lack of wisdom. Entrusting the wrong people. Just, just think about it, Ross. Growing up, we had to wear a different mask, <laughs> yeah. and then now to peel all that off, thinking that what am I peeling this off? What am I going to get to? Where you're going to get to? Who you really are? Are you even going to really like who's underneath all this? Well, and then once that, then you say, okay, what do I do at this point? Do I get it better or I don't? Or I put everything back on again? Yeah. Layers for me, man. That was hard, man. It was tug of war, man. I mean, moving from Chicago to here, I'm my own, not knowing anybody. Dude, like. Hey, listen, I ain't gonna be li- I ain't gonna lie to you. I met a lot of white people, man. <laughs> right? And, and I and I really thought I was crazy. Like I thought I was crazy. And I realized it now, Angel, you ain't crazy like these people. <laughs> what do you mean these so, people? No? <laughs> so so my wife, when when she when she first met my family, it was at a barbecue. A Mexican barbecue? So in Humboldt? Nah, yeah. but I just so, told so check, about check, it, bro. check this out. So <laughs> why you do it like that? <laughs> my wife is freaking out. What's wrong? She goes, Why is everybody talking so loud? I feel like something is gonna happen. I go, No, nah, babe. When they're not talking, so something's gonna happen. I said, When everything is quiet, then then you have to be careful. <laughs> but this is how they communicate, like, oh my god. This, this is, is how we show our passion. So then she invites me to her family reunion. And I'm like, babe, what? Yeah, I thought I was crazy, babe. But go ahead, y'all, y'all, you know. Uh, Why are the whites quiet? <laughs> but but here's the amazing thing that you know, uh, I got along with her family well, man. Like, like that um, quick? Yeah, like really quick, man. I, and I, and here, here's my thing: is one thing that I'm not gonna do. 
I'm not going to change who who I am to fit in. I respect you for that. I am who I am. And I and my wife was there. I said, no, man. I, I gradually introduced myself. Hey, I'm so-and-so. Real cool. I conversated. I talked. And um, here's the funny part. And maybe I read this wrong. But I ain't stupid. I can talk <laughs> with the worst and I can talk with the best. So I think that was, uh, they looked at that like, oh, yeah, would you thought that I was stupid or something? <laughs> My uh, man ain't raised the fool. But you know, now now I'm thinking the times where you know I, I can get you to but but yeah, their family they accepted me and it was genuine. It wasn't nothing fake about it. That's good, man. I'm happy that you, the individual, was still is able to redefine your circumstance. Not allow you to be a, a victim to your own circumstance, you know? Ross, I uh, this is no no by by far none of my doing, man. This was a, a a plan that God had for me that I thought that it could never be. And here we are. And here we are. So I'm a believer, man. I I am. I, I'm a, I'm a strong believer. I'm I'm not ashamed to say that. Uh, uh, and 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 a lot of it comes from now. I understood why my grandmother had me to go to church because that was uh, that's would help me. I, I know that, I'll tell you this, that in my worst of my withdrawals, I, I never forget this. I said, uh, I was looking up and I said, okay, God, if you're real, like my abuelita and my tia and everybody says that you do all of this stuff, then bro, throw me something down because I'm done, man. Right now, if I had a pistol, eat a bullet. So you, you gotta, you gotta do something. Cause man, I, I, you know, ask. So that's what I'm doing. And, and Ross, I wish I could tell you that, uh, I heard God's voice. Or, or I felt the warmth of him embrace. None of that. And not to say that I don't believe in that because I do. But one thing that I experienced that night that I never experienced ever in my life is I felt a blanket of peace come upon me like never before. Huh. And when I felt that, I went like this. Boom. You got me, bro. Huh. But, you know, I don't say that people can hear God's voice. I don't, I don't doubt that. But that didn't happen in my experience. You know, I didn't hear God's voice like, I got you, dog, or he sent me a text or an email, none of that, Papa, or me llamo por cellular, none of that, bro. <laughs> call after nine. I, I didn't feel his, <laughs> call after nine, right? <clears throat> or I didn't feel, no, tap up, no. But I did sense, and I know this was divine. Is a peace come over me. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. You got me, bro. I'm good. <laughs> you lead, I'll follow. And even with that, I was stubborn, bro. So, pero, that was, <laughs> but that was my experience, man. And you this know? is your story. I hear, I hear people. I heard, and that's cool. I'm not saying you did, you didn't. But that, that, that wasn't me. God didn't speak. He didn't touch. Not, but I just felt this peace, man. I literally felt it. Like, I mean, all in my body, I felt the peace. Like, it's okay. It's okay. With that said, last question. Mm -hmm. If there's one word to encapsulate your entire story what's the word transformation transformation mm-hmm all right with that said man this has been two hours i gotta <laughs> i love these conversations <laughs> man i'll tell you how you feeling oh great man great great this has been awesome uh, yeah. uh like i said i'm not an entertainer but if if it can help help somebody then that's that's what i'm here for if it can help somebody yeah.
I'm adding your collection to the story, man. Hey, I'm man. with this. Um, uh, There's been another episode of KZ1023's Community Beat. I'm, I am your host, Ross Martinez, Angel Cruz, my guest. If they want to get in contact with you, any of the things you're working on, how can they get a hold of you? Uh, my email address is angelcruz37 at yahoo.com. Send me an email. Whatever I can do. You, the Latino would have a yahoo.com. I was waiting for you to say, how Dude, that's... When somebody told me you need to email my address, that's how we stuck with it. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> hey, can I we get it. a hotmail just for fun? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, there everybody. There's more episodes coming. Uh, there's a bunch already up, so go check it out. Leave comments, follow, subscribe. You know the vibe. All right, we're out. Peace.